Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. How are you guys doing this morning? Amazing. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to jump right into uh, we've been going through a, like a collection of conversations and we're going through the book of Ephesians. And it's been, it's been a, a lot of fun to go through this because, you know, if I could just be, I'm just going to be straight up and honest. Sometimes when you go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, there's like some mundane, like, like okay, what do I, how do you preach this part? You know, how do you talk about this? But I, I've been noticing that there's something powerful about going through a book together. And so we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and just to give you a quick little synopsis, the book of Ephesians was written 2,000 plus years ago to the people of Ephesus in a church that was very similar to like a modern day Los Angeles or Long Beach. It was on the port, and there was a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of ethnicity groups. There was different classes. And remember, in, in the Roman Empire, especially with this like Hellenization or this Greek culture, the whole goal was to be perfect. They believed in the perfect sculptures, right? And they believed in the perfect bodies. And, and so, I mean, there's a lot of correlations today, like perfection, right? And so we, we discovered in the first chapter that Paul says to, the, to us, he says to the church of Ephesus, but he says to us that we're chosen, that we're adopted, and that we're redeemed. And again, because I have to share this every week, that word redeemed, it could sound like really Christianese, but yet it actually came from like Greek language, that word redeemed was those that were captive and, and slaves, and as they got off the boat, they were literally slaves and, and, and in chains, and there, were, there would be people that wanted to bring those individuals and actually adopt them. And in this culture, when somebody was adopted, what happened was this, this redemption was placed over them because the person, that bought, the person that bought them, so to speak, the person that said, hey, I want you to be a son in my house, I want you to be a daughter, they paid the debt of whatever they had on their life. That's where that word redeemed comes from. So what that means to us is that Paul says, you're, you're, you're redeemed by all the things that have happened in your life. You're redeemed by the sin and the brokenness. God has set you free. He's wiped that clean. And so he says we're chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed. And then we talked about last week that we're, we're not just saved from something, we're saved for something, right? That God snatched us up, he saved us. And then what, he, what Jesus is doing is he's forming something within us and he's transforming us from the inside out. This week we're gonna talk about something really interesting and, and I have to kinda remember, we're in Bible school, okay? So I have to geek out for a moment because it's really important that we understand what is a Jew and what is a Gentile and we're gonna talk about circumcision, like what's going on here? It's really important that we understand the language of that day and the culture of that day. But I wanna start off by asking this question, you know, I grew up you know, in a, in a very traditional household where my, my father, he was, you know, he, he made sure that, that we, we were healthy and we were wise and we made right decisions. My dad's real big on, he always says this to this day, and it's, and it's the best advice ever. He's like, Sammy, life is easy. It's yes, no, right, or wrong. Right? And it's so true. I'm like, yeah. So ever since I was a little boy, I was taught that. Yes, no, right, or wrong. My dad, if, if you care anything about Enneagram, he's for sure a one. He's, he's very big on, on moral and ethic and truth and being a man of integrity, right? And so he raised us in that, and then my mom raised us in the church, 
We had to go to church on Sunday morning. You did not have a choice. Sammy, you wake up, we're going to church. And then it got a little bit harder in the teen years, right? But nevertheless, I was raised in this, this culture of, of putting God first. I saw my parents do it. And so I had to get to an age where, you know, I don't think my parents ever said this, but I just knew it, where it's like, I don't even really know if this is a thing, but have you ever heard someone say like, well, just because someone jumps off a cliff, you know, doesn't mean you have to do it. You heard that like analogy? And so every single time I would leave the house, I, I got my license when I was 16 years old and my parents just trusted me to make the right decisions. And so I remember as I would leave in the morning, just kind of in my own mind, I remember thinking like, I'm representing this house when I leave. Everywhere I go, I represent this home, right? And I just remember all the countless times I'd sit in the car and my dad's driving me to, to baseball practice and he's just like soaking me in like Proverbs, just wisdom literature that even times I didn't even think he knew was in the Bible, right? And I just am reminded like, okay, there's something about this house, my family's house, the way my mom and dad raised me that there's, there's power behind understanding like rule and regulation and, and law. We don't like that language in this culture though, right? We don't like law or command or regulations, and yet we, we, we see that when there's no structure, it's chaos. When there's no order, there's no peace. And so, you know, it's like, don't forget how you were raised. Don't forget, make smart choices, right? Don't forget, you don't have to act like everyone else. I don't know if you were raised in a household like that, but I mean, I would hope that when you have children, I mean, Kelly and I talk about all the time, like, what are we going to, Lenya should, should start learning now, so by the time she's 16 or 17 years old, it's like, hey, don't forget, you, you know who we are. You got to represent, and, and it goes deeper than that. What does it mean for you when we leave on a, on, out of God's house, this is his house, right? Jesus said, Paul made it very clear, he is the cornerstone, and he is above all, but he's He's especially above and he's head over the church, which is his house. And Paul says, we're in a household. And so I guess my question to you is, how do you represent God's house? How do you represent his household? Are there barriers between you and family and loved one and friends? Do you create separation or is there those walls broken down because you're a follower of Jesus, because you're a disciple of God? Paul is basically telling us right now in Ephesians, we're going to read, don't forget your citizens of his kingdom. So this is what it says. I'm going to be reading Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 11, and we're going to read all the way to verse 22. It says this, therefore, and remember if you were here last week, and I encourage you to come to church every week so you know what we're talking about, so you know why Paul said therefore. And you should be reading this on your own, honestly. I mean, there's, there's like six chapters in Ephesians. You could read it every day, right? So Paul says, therefore, and he's saying, therefore, because if you look at verse 10, we're God's handiwork. Remember who I drew, the house and the family, right? That I have my own picture of what I want to do in this life, but God has a bigger picture. God is the master artist at work in my life. And I want what God has for me, and really instead of what I have for me, because he has much bigger. He has more in store for my life. And so Paul says, don't forget, you're God's handiwork. You're created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Therefore, so since you know who you are in Christ, 
He says, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, and really quick, anyone who's not, is there anyone that's fully Jewish? I know Grandma Liz has some Jew in her. So let's just say you're Jewish, Grandma Liz, because you are, you have it in you. But anyone who doesn't have full Jew in them, you're a Gentile. That's the language of the Bible, okay? Anyone who is Jew, you're not Gentile. And we'll go deeper on that, but he says, you who were formerly um, you who are Gentiles by birth called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's saying the only thing that brought you close was because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because he, watch this, he redeemed you. He redeemed what was already, the debt you already had on your life, he redeemed it. He set that free. And now because of his blood, because of the sacrifice, because of the cross, you're set free and you're brought in and you're brought near. For he, Jesus himself, we need this one this Sunday morning, he is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, Jesus' promise was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he, Jesus, put to death our hostility. And then he came and he preached. And what did he preach? He preached peace. He preached peace to those who were far away, and then he preached peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And then this is like the overarching theme. Consequently, because of this, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers. Remember, we're talking to the Gentile now. We'll we'll get on that in a second. But your fellow citizens with God's people, and also, here it is, members of his house. So now we represent his house. And it was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief, as Jonathan said, he's the chief cornerstone. The foundation is on Jesus. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. Jesus is building something within you to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, the reason why I think this is important and we're in Bible school is because some of us that have never really read the Bible was like, what on earth are you saying, Paul? Right? Circumcised? Like, what? Well, you got to remember that as we go back Those that were Jew, this dates all the way back to a man named Abraham, right? And he was credited righteousness because he believed in God. He had faith to believe. So faith is a very powerful thing that God has given us. As we step in, as we move towards future, as we take risk, we cannot ever negate the fact that faith is what drives us forward. And so Abraham had faith in God. And because of that, he was credited righteousness, right standing with God because of his faith. And then God, through Abraham, created a people, right? The father of many nations, Father Abraham, right? 
And those people were called chosen people of God. And they were called what? They were Jew. So you could imagine how prideful these people could be, right? Through generation to generation to generation. And the distinction of a Jew and a Gentile, and I, I, I want to go as far as to say there should be a distinction between someone who follows Jesus and someone who doesn't. But the distinction then between a Jew and a Gentile, a Jew literally physically would be circumcised. That was the physical separation of every other nation. And the, the Greeks, because they're all about the body, they thought they were crazy. What are you doing, doing that to your body? So it was circumcision. It was the way they ate. They couldn't have bacon, right? So no bacon for those that were you. That's tough for some of us, right? And then also they lived by the, they had a Sabbath day. While everyone else was running amok and going crazy, on, on Saturday they rested. And you could see already the distinction from those that were Gentile and those that were Jew. You guys are weirdos, cutting yourself when you're a baby, and you don't eat certain foods, and then you rest and don't do anything on Saturdays. You guys are weird. But these Jews knew that this was the call that God gave them. This was the separation that was on their life. So all throughout their life, through generation, they had this separation. You could imagine then when Paul the apostle comes on the scene and he says, hey, it's no longer Jew or Gentile. Could you imagine how frustrating you could be or you would be if you were a Jew to a Gentile? And also how, how you would feel if you were a Gentile and you wanted this saving power and grace of Jesus, but you had to do all of these things to receive it. Paul goes on to say, he says, I want to talk to the Gentile. I want to talk to you, to me and you. I want to talk to you and I want to explain something to you. You're chosen you're adopted and you're redeemed, and you've been saved for a purpose, not just from the past, but for your future. And he says, but I have to explain something to you. There has been this hostility, these walls, this separation, and at the foot of the cross, it's leveled. So there is no longer Jew nor Gentile. We're all one in Christ. Paul is saying this. If the outward sign is not marked by an inward faith or an inward obedience of life, that sign becomes worthless and is a work of the flesh. I want to say that again. You can't miss this one. If the outward sign is not marked by an inward faith, it becomes worthless and just a work of the flesh. In other words, I'm Christian. Yeah. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I say it and I post it and it's on my IG and I'm, I'm taking pictures of my Bible <laughs> but there's no inward transformation. My heart has not been shifted by the power of God. If I'm coming to church and, and I'm, I'm worshiping and it's great and it's awesome, we need this, by the way, so desperately. In a world, I mean, we're going to hit on what's going on today, right? In a world of hostility, this message is so for us right now. But we can so easily go through the motions of religion, that it's just, look at my outward appearance. Look at how I live my life. But there's no heart transformation. So what Paul is saying 2,000 years ago, hey, just because you're circumcised doesn't mean anything, bro. <laughs> I see the outward. Yeah, I get it. You're Jew. You separated yourself. But your heart is hard as a rock. God can't do anything with that. 
You want to hide and you want to run away and you don't want to face your problems and you don't want to work through the deep, dark secrets of your soul and you think just because of this outward reflection, you're inwardly going to be okay and yet we've been deeply mistaken. Have we not in the church? Have we not in the world? And so there has to be this internal change, this deep work that only God can do. And I I would go as far to say the only one who can get to your soul is Jesus. He's the only one that can transform us from the inside out. Verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near. Can you remember when you were far away from God? Some of you are like, man, I feel like I'm that right now. (laughs) But you're in the perfect place then. You're around the, the right people. There's been moments in my own life where I feel like, man, where are you, God? You seem so far, so distant. And I have to remind myself that this work that Jesus has done in me, it's continual, and it's a journey, and I'm going through it, and I need help, and I need my brothers, and I need a family, and I need someone to encourage. Paul said, David said, there was a time where David had to actually encourage himself in the Lord. He was so lonely and so broken, he had to get to a place where he had to encourage himself in the Lord. He had to muster up the strength and the courage to move forward. And sometimes that happens, but if if, if we don't have this internal change, then it's just going to seem like outwardly, I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah, everything's fine. And that just might not be the case, but can you remember when you're far from God? He says, now that you're close, be careful. In your separation of the things of this world, has it created barriers and walls? We're going to go there for a moment. <laughs> if you can, can say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I, 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 I consider myself a Christian, you have to be careful not to fall under what the Jews fell under. They had this pompous us versus them mentality. And what that did is it brought hostility. And what that did is it brought separation. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace. And he destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. And again, I would go as far to say we need that stuff, right? We need order. But not when it's just an outward type of reflection. I'm going to do and don't and do and don't, but nothing on the inside has changed. And again, that, that verse in, in Scripture where Jesus said, this one terrifies me. I don't know if it terrifies you, but it terrifies me. Where the Scripture says, many will come to me, Jesus says. Many will come to me and say, man, I did all these things in your name. I casted out demons. I prophesied over people. I had all the gifts of the Spirit. And Jesus will say, I I never knew you, though. I never knew you. That one grips me. And I don't know about you. We don't have to go much into, like, a literary analysis there. All he's talking about is a heart posture. Where is your heart with God? Where is your heart on the things of God? Is it an outward thing where everyone sees and it's okay? Or are you truly transformed on the inside? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in the body, and one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So I want to go here for a moment. There's a lot of hostility going on right now, isn't there? Just turn the news on. This has nothing to do with politics, although I want to get there for a second. 
There is a crazy hostility going on in the world right now in our news. And I don't know about you, but if, if you don't have the sense of, of, of the scripture and the sense of what's going on in the world around us and prophecy and how God's coming back, when you know he's coming back again, Jesus is. So we get afraid sometimes of the book of Revelation, but all the book of Revelation is saying is that a just king is coming to judge. And what will he judge? Wickedness, evil, hostility. That is what Jesus will come back to do. He will come back to bring justice here on earth. And so you turn the news on and you see these world leaders with rage and anger, right? I mean, how is it that in the 22nd, 21st century, well, how can we still have war? And now the war is not just hand-to-hand combat, it's, it's nuclear, right? And so, is not Paul 2,000 plus years ago speaking to us today? He said, you know who Jesus, you know what his message was? It was peace. It was peace against the hostility. It was peace against the chaos. And the hostility, so, so if there's hostility in your life, if we're people of, of arrogance, if we're proud all the time, if our ego is in the way, you better believe there's gonna be walls in your life. I mean, all we have to do is do an, an inventory of our life. If you think you know everything about everything and you got it all handled and your political party's the best and you have it, right, and there's this ego and this pride and you're never wrong. Good luck in marriage, right? <laughs> but what about your relationships? I guarantee you, you have some severed relationships, unfortunately, and there's probably a lot of walls. But that's the antithesis of peace. When there's hostility in our world and in our life, this, we're like, man, what's going on in the world? Well, what's going on with me? Internally, what's going on with, with, with our humanity internally? Is there not hostility around every corner? That's why the message of Jesus changes everything. And I want to make something really clear here. <laughs> Jesus was in one of the craziest climates of politics. And there's probably one or two times he talks about a political party or the emperor. Just, just to put that out there. Someone tried to trip him up. Hey, Jesus, he threw him a coin. And he literally says, because they were trying to trip Jesus up. So what do you think about, you know, taxes and, and to Caesar? And Jesus simply said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's. And he moved on. He didn't say, well, let's talk about, you know, politics. Let's talk about what's right and wrong. Let's talk about the left or the right. Let's talk about the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Let's talk about the mask or the unmasked. Let's talk about and bring more hostility to the conversation. But yet Jesus, he was too smart because he's God. He knows that kingdoms come and kingdoms go. He knows that Caesar won't last forever. He knows that a president won't last forever because he's on the throne. He sees what's before, he's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He came and he preached peace to you who are far and peace to those who are near. Not only did he bring peace, he is our peace. This is the mark of a follower of Jesus, by the way, that we live in peace with one another. Just take an inventory of your own life. Man, I have to fight for this all the time. I gotta have peace. I gotta have peace. 
That doesn't mean that, that I, I lose my, my sanity, right? And I have to have boundaries in my life. I have to protect my peace. But that, that also means that I need to be a person of peace. That I'm not going out of my way to create hostility and division and discord and disunity among people around me. Clearly, that's not the way of Jesus. Breaking barriers, this is what he broke barriers for, by the way, of race. He broke barriers of social status. At the foot of the cross, it's level. You're not rich or poor. You're not black or white or Mexican or Chinese or Filipino or Russian. Or It, just, it doesn't matter. At the foot of the cross, it's all level. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And just for a moment, he breaks barriers of political parties. What does this mean? I, I got to be really honest with you. When I went to Bible school, I made a decision for Sammy. This is my own conviction based off what I've read and studied in the scriptures. I've made my own decision a long time ago when I was in Bible school that I would never get on a pulpit to talk about or push a political agenda, ever. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's right because Jesus didn't do it. If Jesus is my rabbi, I'm going to follow what my rabbi did. If Jesus is my teacher, I'm learning from him. That's why we need to know what the Bible says. That's why it's important to know the cultural moment that literally Rome was knocking at the door of every Jew and saying, in the streets, they took over, they infiltrated Jerusalem, the soldiers were there every corner. Hey Jew, peasant, come here, take my stuff and walk two miles with me, or a mile. Jesus said, you know what you do when they tell you that? Say, I can go another mile with you. Don't even worry about it. You want me to go one mile? I'll go two. Let's go. And they would have to carry the soldier's luggage as the soldier was on his horse or his donkey going through the town. And Jesus says, I want to teach you something. No one should have power over you. If you respond in hostility, there will be hostility. Jesus said, I want you to respond in peace. And with that peace actually comes power and authority. That's why when the Roman centurion is looking down at a Jewish boy and says, I want you to go a mile with me, carry my luggage, and he says, no, 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 I'll go two with you. Don't worry about it. Who has the power now? The Jew has more power over the situation. What am I trying to say? What does this mean for our, our moment? He says in verse 19, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the prophets and Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. This means, church, our citizen is first not Republican or Democrat. Our citizen is first the kingdom of heaven. That's, his, that's our citizenship. You wanna, you wanna know, you want people to know who you are, which, which side you're on? I'm just on the side of peace and Jesus. I'm on the side of his kingdom. I don't need to argue my point. I'm a free thinker. I don't need to be Republican or Democrat. I'm of my father's business. And it is a business, by the way. Whatever Jesus' business was, that's the business I want to be a part of. And I, I, I knew it. As soon as all this, this stuff happened in this world, I knew and I said, God, please, please, Father, don't let it be another political thing. Please. And sure enough, it is. We get on our social media, and can I be honest, I'm tempted to do it too. I am too. Oh, look at what's going on. This is because of this and this and that, right? 
I'm so tempted of doing it, but I know who I'm representing. And by the way, if I could speak to the leaders of the room, don't you know that this is true? Do you know that in the NBA, you can't post certain things on social media because you have a contract to a, a team and you're representing that team because they're a leader? How much more for those that are citizens of heaven? And so I look at this and I'm like, okay, Jesus, you came to preach hostility? No, you came to preach peace. And by the way, many, many won't agree with this. And you're missing the kingdom then. Many will not agree with this. Pastors won't agree with this at times. And it terrifies. <laughs> the Bible says in Timothy, I will be judged bigger, harsher than you because I'm up here. Anyone who comes and preaches up here, there's going to be a bigger judgment, unfortunately. And so I'm, sometimes I'm like, okay, God, the fear of God is on me. Lord, I got to make sure this is right. Father, it's only through your spirit that I can say this right. I can't be proud. If I'm proud, it's going to reflect on the scripture. I can't, I have to be humble. I have to be meek. I have to understand your spirit is working in this world. It's much bigger than a left or a right. It's you, Jesus. And so wherever we go right now in this moment, man, I just see the tension. Don't you see the tension in this world? Horrible things going on in Ukraine. Can we not agree? Forget politics. This is terrible. And I don't know about you, but the Bible talks about birth pains. My wife's pregnant, right? Birth pains, right? An echo of what's to come in the end time. The Bible says, read the scripture. In the end times, there's going to be rumors of war and war. And Jesus said, take heart. Just know these are just birth pains of the end. But I'm not waiting for the end to happen. I tell God all the time, no, Father, we got a work to do. We have so much work to do. This isn't about an agenda, right? This is about the kingdom of heaven. And so he says it there, don't miss this part. I'm sorry if this offends you. It offends me. He says, don't forget, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven if you're a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? You're a citizen of heaven. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So when we leave, don't forget Jesus is going to say, hey, hey, son, don't forget who you represent. Hey, before you post, hey, don't, don't forget who you represent. There, there was a moment, I just got to be real with you, okay? This is, as my dad, this is my opinion. This is the same as opinion here, okay? I, uh, I, I've been wanting to be a substitute teacher for Chino, and I finally got it. Come on, let's go. And so, so I, I got it, and, and I, you know, I went, I sat down, and, and um, oh, man, I don't want to say too much, because then you're like, oh, there you go. But long story short, <laughs> I have my own views and opinions about things, of course, and I'm sitting there, and it was something I didn't fully agree with internally, but... I just laid that pride aside. It's like, absolutely, no, no big deal. And we kept going, kept going. And then I'm sitting down, and the lady's taking a picture of me. And she goes, so why do you want a sub? And I'm like, oh, oh, you asked the right question. I said, I'm actually a pastor in this city. I grew up in this city. I love this city. I want to do everything that I possibly can to just love on the students in this valley. She said, you're a pastor? Wow, that's so crazy. My son does worship in Oklahoma, all this stuff. And we had a beautiful conversation. Her whole demeanor changed on me, by the way. 
And I remember walking out and I felt the Spirit of God tell me, thank you for laying aside your pride. Thank you for doing that. And I don't know, maybe he would say something different to you. I don't, maybe, I don't know. But if you don't know that he's the Prince of Peace, if you don't know that he's come and his message was peace, we're missing it. Because I could have easily brought hostility to the conversation, right? I don't need that stuff in my life. I want to be a witness of the kingdom of heaven. And so wherever you go, I'm sorry, I hope, I hope I didn't go too much. I hope I didn't step on your shoes a little too much today. But this is important to, to talk about, right? And so you, the Bible says, you have to come with your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you know that? At the end of the day, you're not going to stand with Pastor Sam or your wife or your mom. You're going to be standing before God. And the Bible says that he's going to judge us according to what we knew. That's why it's like, it's kind of scary if you're coming in here and you're reading and hearing about all this. Now you're responsible and you're held accountable to this. As you go and you live your life, that is between you and God. You are to work out, as the scripture says, your salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? Does that make sense? Everyone's like, oh man, I got really, I got quick... (laughs) Hey, but worship, you guys can come on up. As, as we close, I just want to encourage you that as you look at this passage of Scripture, again, the cultural context of this Scripture is the Jew and the Gentile and how Jesus came to break the barrier of hostility. So your homework, our homework as we go on Monday, as we go throughout this week, our homework is to recognize first that I'm a citizen of his kingdom and I should never have discourse with one another especially when it comes to my faith and especially when it comes to what I do and don't do. And he, he goes on to say, by the way, just wait, just, just wait a couple more verses, a couple more weeks. He goes on to talk about unity and maturity in the, in the body of Christ. He goes on to talk about instructions for those who claim Christ, how you should live your life. Go and read it. It's important. And again, I just want to remind myself and us as a community that we are to be beacons of hope, that we're to be salt in the midst of chaos, flavor, that we're to be, the Bible describes the church as the light upon the hill, a city on the hill. And so for me and for my house, right, for for God and his house, I got to represent his house well. Whatever you need, God. You want me, you want me to, to, to be more loving to the one that I can't stand sometimes? Absolutely. You want me to show peace when this person wants to fight and argue? Absolutely. You want me to be quiet as a witness when there's an opposition coming my way? Absolutely. But that's what I have made as a decision as a follower of Christ. And you have to come to those terms. Right now, we could just have to come to those terms. So can we just, I wanted to do this before we end it. I want to pray for everything that's going on in Ukraine. And I mean, I'm blown away by the leadership of that president, right? Isn't that crazy, the courage? That's what David did, by the way. He went on the front battle lines. And when he didn't, that's when he ended up killing Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Because he wasn't on the battlefield. He wasn't in the front lines. And so I, I look at that and I say, man, what great courage. Can, I, can we be people of courage? Can we be people that pushes the agenda of heaven? Can we be people that say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, 
I want to get away from pride. I want to get away from chaos, and I want to step into what peace is in the world. Would you stand with us right now as we close? Jesus, I pray for every person in this room, God. I pray, Father, that you would remind us that for those that claim Jesus, that we have, we have a job to do here on this earth, that we are to be people of, of peace, God, that we are to be courageous.